live from Spain. This is The Drive Home with Harry Waters. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, um, if that's how you would like to call it. Uh, that's what they would say here in Spain, as the concept of evening doesn't actually exist here, um, which is kind of strange. But they do have something called madrugada, which is like the evening, but of the morning. So like two, three in the morning is madrugada. So that's a... Uh, anyway, that's something strange to start the show with today. Um, today I have a fantastic guest. Um, Obviously, oh, I can hear you. Oh, Harry, you always have fantastic guests. Of course I do. Um, but today we've got a wonderful guest um, for a few reasons. Um, I, I met him a little while ago um, working um, for Macmillan, doing some teacher training, and, and we, we crossed paths on the internet. Uh, and I soon came around to... I, I got on well with, with, with my next guest. It was, it was nice to, to meet somebody of a... I don't know, a similar mindset, I guess. Um, it felt like, anyway, straight away. And I thought, he'd be a good person to talk to on the radio. Um, and then when I did start talking to him, he mentioned some other parts of his life that you know had were interesting to talk about. And I suddenly, it opened this kind of can of worms within me and inside me to think about people beyond just their job or beyond you know the classroom, whatever whatever you would like to say. It's, um, it really opened this kind of can of worms within me. And I've been exploring it ever since that moment and, and speaking to a lot of people about it. But without further ado, I am going to, uh, I'm going to unmute him um, and I'm going to introduce him a little bit and let him introduce himself as well. So hi there, Will. Thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, Harry. Thanks a lot. Can you hear me, all right? It's an absolute pleasure. I can, I can hear you loudly. Obligatory clear. question. You've got to ask it, haven't you, Harry? Yeah. It's absolutely true that it's literally the first thing I do whenever I call anyone. I'm on a, I'm on a Zoom call. I'm on a Facebook chat with my mum. I'm speaking to my nan on the phone. Automatic thing is, can you hear me? You know. Yeah. In the dictionary, it'll Next have synonyms. I might just say no. <laughs> In the dictionary, it's going to have a synonym for hello to be, can you hear me all right? <laughs> Instead of yeah, hello, exactly. it's going to be, can you hear me all right now? <laughs> exactly. That should. I might start teaching that in my classes actually. Yeah, instead of an opening greeting to someone being, hello, it's, can you hear me or oh, Is it cutting out? You know, am, am I frozen? <laughs> and my uh, connection's usually all right. It should be okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh. Do you know, but the, that is the worst thing, though, when your connection is usually all right and suddenly it's your connection. It's like, oh, the embarrassment. I don't have a good connection. <laughs> it's not embarrassing. Yeah. It just happens. What does that say about you as a person if you've got a bad connection? I know, it's awful. <laughs> here, here where I live in Spain, in um, Valencina, it's called. It's a village just outside Sevilla. Um, when it rains, it's a small village. There are 7,803 people living here, according to the, the 2019 Wikipedia. So probably Excellent. more or less the same now. Um, yeah. But when it rains, the internet is rubbish. It's absolutely atrocious. Luckily, it doesn't rain very much here. Um, right. So, it's mainly on the plane, isn't it, I've heard? That is where it rains, particularly in Spain. Certainly, <laughs> it's frequently on the plane. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, it is lovely to have you. Um, I did briefly mention that we our, our paths crossed um, via some kind of social media or another. Um, mm. I don't remember which. I know I now have you on all of them in, in one form or another. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was... <laughs> 
it was possibly Facebook, possibly LinkedIn. It was definitely one of those two, I think, at first. Well, we, I think we've communicated on, on all of it, on WhatsApp, email, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, I think, as of yesterday. I think we've actually literally yeah, communicated absolutely. on all platforms possible. Yeah, I'm not on TikTok yet. I'm not brave enough um, to go on TikTok, so right, um, no, I mean, haven't yet on there. No, we're not there. We're not there yet. I'm we're absolutely not. That stage not. Of no, life. no, that's absolutely that terrifying. Social media relationship. <laughs> we haven't yet started a TikTok, so we can communicate via TikTok. But you know what? Weird. You know what we're doing right now? We are communicating because we've got a video on Zoom at the same time, haven't we? So that we can see each other, and we're on Podbean. Yep. So that's another two to the repertoire, Harry. That we just added. There you the go. And minutes. we have also met on Google Meet. That was, in fact, our first. Yeah. I've done face to face in inverted commas for people not watching. That was our first face to face meeting. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, we definitely have uh, met on most mediums. Um, but we met because you work for um, Macmillan. Um, you're yeah, telling Macmillan us a bit more about your job. Yeah, yeah. Macmillan Education. Yep. Sorry, I, I should have clarified. There are no, some other Macmillans that, that could be confusing there. Um, and um, I'm going to ask you, what is your job at Macmillan? I am a teacher training and author relationship manager. Now that sounds fancy. It is, what isn't do you it? Do with it does, authors it relationships. Fit, well, it doesn't fit into most job title fields when you try and put it in anywhere, which is probably the worst thing about the job, actually, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you manage relationships? But is it between authors and Macmillan Education, or authors between authors? You don't go out and like specifically look for two authors that have got together. And be like, okay, I'm actually an author relationship specialist. <laughs> uh, I actually do that, yeah. So most of the time I'm on the street, I'm looking for authors, sort of with, with a sort of a megaphone, and I ask them, are you an author? If you are, may I help you with your relationships? There you go. It sounds interesting. <laughs> That's basically um, what, how it works, yeah. Um, it's, a good, it's a good job. It's not bad. It's very people-y. I quite like it because it's quite yeah. people-y. Yeah. I do like people. Uh, yeah. Oh, me too, mate. That's why I'm doing the job. I absolutely love, I love people. Absolutely. I always have, I think. I've always loved people. And uh, I think building relationships with people, actually. And I quite like building relationships with people that don't like building relationships because they, they're sometimes a bit tricky. I think not everybody is as easy as the next person at building a relationship with. And everyone's got, everyone's got a little softness, I think, Harry. Everyone's got a little something. Yeah where you can, yeah. not maliciously, but tap into it, sort of find what that thing is, what's going to make them tick, what's going to make them, for lack of a better word, like me and like having a relationship with me of some kind and finding it and trying to tap into that somehow. It's fun. I, I, think, I, I think that's like, that kind of almost personifies my teaching style. You know, mm. whenever I go into a class and whenever I have a student who obviously like doesn't like me or doesn't want to be happy, it, like they're in there and they're like fighting to be angry. Yeah, I yeah. love the challenge of you know finding that kind of connection and also with I've got a a friend who has four daughters, um, and each Christ. one of them has been as difficult as the next one. They are they. they They've certainly not liked me. A lot of them have not liked me for quite a long time. And I've really had to work it and work. So, you know, I count that as practice. But, yeah, I love that, yeah, yeah. you know, the building relationship side of things. I think that's one of my favorite parts of my job, being a freelancer, is getting to meet so many other people with, with jobs, so many different students around the world. Um, well, if you know, you're, you're, you're really good at it, Harry, if you don't mind me saying, actually. You are good at it. I think 
I, I, I doubt I'll be the first person that you've had a click with recently. I think you're you're kind of that kind of guy. You do sort of click quite well. I mean, you were. I mean, you, you, we did the round table, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago um, for Moon Education and. I mean, you've met those people once before, but you, you did immediately strike a, a relationship with them. I think you have got that skill. Oh, I appreciate that. For what it's worth, Harry, that's, that's my perspective. It's, anyway. it's worth its weight in gold is what it is. It's worth its oh, weight well. in gold. Um, I do appreciate put it. Put it on your LinkedIn profile. Put it on your LinkedIn profile. There you go. I will. I'll add it to that, and I'll put it in my, my bio on Insta, um, <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure. Um, nice. So you, you work with with authors and doing teacher training at um, yeah, yeah. Millen. How long have you How long have you been there? Uh, a year and a half or something, maybe just under a year and a half. Um, so not long. Shall I, shall, I, shall I answer your original question? What What is actually the job? What, what Yeah. What is so actually authoring? I, I somehow digressed. I'm not sure. No, how. no, no. Well, so I suppose it's, it has got two arms to it because I'm a teacher training and author relationship manager, they're, they're massively intertwined, but they are, I suppose, you can describe them as two separate things. So uh, the, I'll start with the teacher training bit. So teacher training at Macmillan Education um, is, is gigantic. It's a huge part of Macmillan Education and what we offer uh, to customers at Macmillan Education and potential, you know, people we'd like to be our customers at Macmillan Education. Um, and also, of course, just the general ELT public. Um, so I look after what, what we call the, the central academic campaign. So the advancing learning academic program, and that's basically sort of, um, it's basically all year long, which we, we offer bi-monthly fortnightly webinars. Uh, we've got a blog, we do podcasts. Uh, we've got a winter fair in December. We've got a festival in, in, in February, um, and so I, I curate that program basically. So I'll I'll be looking at our um, sort of the market and, and what people are saying, what issues they're having with teaching, or um, I'll be looking at the sort of things that Macmillan are talking about and what we find that the public are talking about at the moment. And we we try and find a way to sort of service that in some way and, and offer training to teachers that might be having difficulties in a particular area. Um, so, for example, we did a session earlier in the year called the Insights Index. I call it the Insights Index session because we've got something called the Insights Index, which is our finger on the pulse, I suppose. It's our sort of public-facing finger on the pulse. We've got a market market intelligence team here, and they've got uh, they they do constant surveying of, of of ELT and finding out what people are struggling with, and to obviously help inform the course books that Macmillan Education creates. Um, and so that session was based on a very, very recent study that they're done on a couple of regions in the world and finding out what issues they're having as a reaction to, to, to COVID-19 and any pressures that they're finding, anything we can help them with. And so we developed a webinar with uh, Laura Patsko. It was Laura Patsko at the time. I'm just, she's absolutely wonderful. If you haven't heard of her or seen her sessions, then please do. Um, and she did a session on how to help people with, I think it was motivation online. Um, create, uh, keeping a rapport with your students while you're teaching online and motive, uh, I forget, but uh, various, various sort of topics. So anyway, that's, that's one part of it. So it's sort of the webinar program, the blogs, podcasts, interviews, the round table, which you, um, that, which you were part of about a month ago. Um, and then it's the other of, half with this, I'll let you do the other half in a second. I'm going to interrupt no, go, you go. just briefly. I apologize. Yeah, um, and I think that role, um, 
I know in ELT and I'm sure in other areas of education as well, this this role of, of teacher training and access to webinars and so on and so forth, it has really kind of blossomed, as it were, since the, the pandemic. But it's blossomed out of necessity, I've seen. And the things that publishers have been doing um, have been so helpful. I know a lot of people kind of thought at first, you know, when when the, the kind of lockdown started, there was a lot of webinars to help people get on board. And it was maybe mm. a bit overwhelming at first. Yeah. I think now people have learned to, you know, if they don't want to go to the webinar, they'll just ignore it. They'll just ignore it. And now there is so much choice that they can go and choose whichever webinar they want. Whereas when the pandemic kind of started, it was instantly, now I know because, you know, I, I started doing a fair bit of teacher training online then. It was how to teach online, how to use Zoom. Um, but straight away, and that was, there were just hundreds of them, it seemed at first. Now what I've seen from it, what's blossomed from that is, it has so many other areas to it now. There is still that continued support for coming out of the pandemic and like a new way of looking at things, a new way of teaching. But so many other areas have blossomed as well, which I think has been beautiful. But yeah, no, I, I agree, Harry. It's my it's, own personal it's, opinion. I mean, it's actually quite quite lucky because I started the job right, as I'd say, about six months into COVID. It was uh, sort of July, I think, two thousand and twenty where I started at Macmillan Education and, um, and that was, yeah, so about five months after I think lockdown in the UK and a couple of months after lockdown throughout the rest of the world, probably. Um, and so I've actually only ever known webinars. I haven't actually, I mean, the, the weirdest thing is I've never actually left. I've never left my home office. I've never been to Macmillan Education offices and I haven't met, oh, wow. I've, met my, I've met my line manager Vinek, if he's listening, he might be listening. He, he'll help me for mentioning his name. But Vinek is my excellent line manager. Um, and I've only met him. I haven't met anyone else. So I actually started in that environment, in that landscape. Oh, sort of wow. Virtual that's, landscape. that's really like, that's absolutely, that's fascinating. Like mm. to, to just imagine that you don't have that kind of, I, I don't know, the, it's just the not knowing your workmates for me just seems, obviously you know them, but not having seen them. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how tall they are. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how tall I'm quite they are. tall, by the way. I imagine you? you're quite tall. Yeah. Do you? I'm not. I'm very average. Yeah. I'm about five. Oh, really? I'm six. I'm six foot four. No, so, you're six foot four. I am. Is that wearing a top hat? Uh, no, not even a top hat. Wearing a top hat, it, it falls. I can't go through doors <laughs> wearing a top hat. It's just, it's not really okay. It falls off. So. That sounds like a nightmare. Um, yeah, actually. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've yeah. had to limit my top hat wearing. So it's, it's <laughs> been bad. It's been bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, Harry. <laughs> I, I interrupted you anyway. Um, again, obviously. No, no, I'm no. I'm good at doing that. What no, was the, I'll interrupt you back. Side of your, no. oh, good job. What was the other side of your job? The author relationship. Other than so the author relationship is... The street. So a lot of... Uh, a lot of So the reason why that sort of part... Why, why I'm doing that as well as, as the teacher training manager, I'm the author relationship manager, because... Uh, a lot of the webinars that we do, we try to employ the authors that write the course books because if we want to talk about, uh, for example, 21st century skills, for example, or uh, project work, we want to get an author that we've worked with already um, to work with us again, to continue working with us and sort of foster that relationship uh, and ask them to do the talk uh, on that subject because that's they're the authority according to our course book. So why, why should they not be the authority according to our um, academic program as well? And so because of that, because we use them in the academic program, it's basically anything outside of publishing 
where we need to work with the author. Basically, once the course is ready to go and it's finished and it's ready to be sold, um, that's when I will sort of take over the relationship with the author from that point on. The course will be for sale for years after that. So there's, there's all sorts of reasons to be, to be keeping that, that relationship nice and strong. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that, that's about it. So I've, 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 got, I've got some really nice relationships at work, and it's, it's a really enjoyable part of the job. Um, there are some amazing authors, and I'm not just saying that because I'm here as a Macmillan Education guy. I'm saying it because there are just some amazing people. There are amazing people in ELT, Harry. You know that. There's there is such amazing passion in this industry. And people that have, have gone from being a teacher to creating materials to maybe eventually becoming an author, because they've made that journey, it's not an easy journey, I don't think, to become an author of quite a large publisher like Macmillan Education. And they are always it's definitely not an it's definitely not a short journey. It's not no, a short journey, that's for sure. It's not, and and they've they've been through a lot to get there, um, and so they've got loads of experience, um, but they've also got that ethos. I don't think you can get to that stage if you haven't got the ethos of being a lifetime learner. And from what I've gathered, the authors that I work with have got that ethos, and that's what makes it so such an awesome job because I work with. Well, it's really great actually. To kind of look look almost back at what um, what teachers have done in the past. That's something I loved about the the round table we did. Um, speaking to Zarina Sulban, mm -hmm. um, and you know she's been in the game for for quite a while now, and she was going through the kind of the stages that which she'd she'd worked on certain areas. You know, going from from environment now to being more kind of um, involved in DEI and stuff like that. And, just being able to see that, and you can do that just looking back at some of the the big names of, of EOT, and you can look back through their work and mm. see how they've evolved as well. Because you have to evolve. You can't like like with any kind of teaching, you cannot stay in the past. That no matter how hard the the system wants you to, um, with their endless exams and so on, but you can't stay back there. You have to keep evolving. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I do, yeah, I do think that's, I think that is evolving. I, I see exactly what we mean with the, with the exams and the sort of the, the, the formal education that, that students need to have. But I do think that ELT is shifting in that respect. I think the, the, the exams and the assessment boards and, and Cambridge assessment, for example, are taking this into account with, you know, in terms of um, future skills or life skills, you know, whatever people call them. Um, definitely. I think it's, it, definitely. Is, it is evolving with them. It's probably a little bit behind the curve, but yeah, yeah, you're right. You've got to move with that. You've got to move with with everything that's that's, that's shaping around you as much as you can. Yeah, and that's one of the big things actually about kind of the publishing side of things. That if you do have like a, a huge title coming out or whatever, you know, it's taken a really long time to prepare, which is why like now around now at the moment, and I know books coming out in the near future do have that kind of more of a sustainable outlook on them. They're not all now that book, which we classically talk about being that one unit about climate change, which is polar bears melting on the ice caps. You know, that very, we are slowly getting away from that. And I think we're going to see more of that now because the, the kind of ELT, green ELT movement has been going for a few years now. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to start to see it in the big course books coming soon basically yeah we are so um i'm really glad you brought this up actually harry because i mean one of the reasons why we asked you to come and speak at the round table a few weeks ago is is, is because Macmillan education are genuinely trying to head in that direction and i know it came up at 
in that round table, but it does take, it takes time because it takes so many years for a course to be written and to be, you know, you've got, you've got draft and then you've got, that takes years to get to first draft stage. And then you've got second draft and your third draft and your fourth draft. And then you've got all the, you've got to design it and then you've got the cover and the covers take ages. I had a horrific experience with covers once, Harry. I worked for another publisher, not moving into education, but covers are a big, a big deal. You know, having making the covers right is is a big thing in in publishing, uh, ELT publishing, from my experience. Um, anyway, so it's, because it's such a long journey, the changes that Macmillan Education have made, they, they haven't had time to, to to create that impact yet. But what has happened at Moon Education is going to be happening over the next few years and that's going to be affecting the materials that we create, that we create, but the publishing creates within Moon Education. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a slow curve, but it, it has to be that way at the moment. I, I know there is, there's an increasing amount of what I have liked to see from, from um, various publishers is there's a, an increasing amount of support with those things. So while it's not yet in those main course books, there is support around it. There are webinars, there are round tables, there are materials being made. So, you know, teachers can reach out and grab onto something that isn't by, you know, I'm, I'm not going to knock Renewable English. They're, they're a wonderful company. They're, they're amazing. They're, um, I know that they're, their CEO has a lovely beard. Um, he has got such a good beard. And do you know what? He's such he's, a good he's, beard. Yeah, he's, he's cut off his hair, I've noticed. When did you cut he off his Sorry, do you happen to know when he cut off his hair? Uh, he cut off his hair in, um, on the 24th of June this year. Yeah. Right. He cut it off for charity. He cut it off for Kids Against Plastic. And then he decided it wasn't going to come back. Right. Well, do you know so, what? I've never known the CEO of Renewable English to have hair. So I'm glad I sort well, of caught him at this, that sort of part of that, that sort of. There journey. you go. You could have, could have seen him briefly before that, but yeah, like you can go to <laughs> Renewable English if you need, you know, any sustainable lesson plans, materials and so on and so forth. You know, you're absolutely free mm. to go there, but Renewable English doesn't have the same reach as a Macmillan education. It doesn't have the same reach as, you know, an Oxford or Cambridge or Pearson. So the materials can't spread as well, but also, the materials that are made are made by the CEO of Renewable English. And yeah, yeah. they don't have that first draft, second draft, third draft. You know, So there are spelling mistakes in there. Not that there aren't in ELT materials. They definitely <laughs> them. Um, yes. yeah, how will they get through all those drafts? I'll never know. Um, <laughs> but they do. Uh, so, you know, it's good that it's going to be coming from a reliable source. Not that Renewable English isn't reliable. It's very reliable. Yeah, it's fact checked by the CEO as well. But yeah, it doesn't have that kind of second eye on it, and um, I don't know. There, there are a lot of great things within ELT. I mean, ELT sustainable is also incredible, out of this world stuff. Mm. Um, sorry, somebody's calling me, so I'm going to hang up on them. Um, um, sorry about that. But no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, you you're really kind. You you donated the Renewable English course book uh, to the viewers of that roundtable a couple of weeks ago, which was extremely generous, and it was it was amazing. Um, selection materials in there, Harry. And I, I quite, I, I just, you're right. It's the ELT is so rich and bursting full of free material, free resource for people to to start developing them themselves professionally, but also helping the planet. If I can put it in a exactly way like that. Oh no, no, it's absolutely. You know, it's 
it's absolutely right and 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 i just think it's great now that so these things are available they're they're there for, for free for anybody i do love that publishers are now doing that with teams of people as well mm-hmm. you know when it's it's not easy to to renewable english isn't an easy thing to do it's not a particularly profitable thing to do um i do it for free i do it to to kind of try and help people as much as possible that's almost yeah. my life outside of teaching is kind of a bit like renewable english it's you know it, that is like a lot of my passion is is in that but when it is with you know a big publisher with the the, the resources that they have it it can make an enormous difference mm-hmm. no i agree and i, I mean, we yeah no no thanks Harry. no i think i mean we've so i think just to, I think it's maybe quite interesting to compare the two so You've got the Renewable English course book, which you've created, or sorry, the CEO of Renewable English created, um, which is, it's vast, actually. It's, it's a large document, isn't it? It's, it's not just, we're not just talking a couple of PDFs here. This is, this is actually a course book. And then... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's big. But then you've got, we, I mean, Macmillan English, Macmillan Education has created, uh, we call them worksheets, but I mean, there are a lot more than worksheets. This is, this is not looking at... Um, it's not focusing on sustainability. Um, it's looking at global citizenship education, which includes some of the pages include mm-hmm. sustainability and, and the environment and, and um, uh, uh, et cetera. Um, so we've created those, but even that takes time. Um, those creating those worksheets taken best part of a year um, to get them ready to be offered to anyone who's teaching with a Macmillan education course. Um, but they are free as well. I think that's, that I think that's been a little bit of a lesson learned, actually, um, if I can say that. I think we, we are finding ways to speed up this process of does it really need to take six years to get a course from concept to release, you know, to publication? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, does it really need to? It, can we not cut corners, but can we tr- trim that down? Do we really need to? I don't know. I'm, I'm not part of that. I don't, I'm not going to even pretend that I'm part of that part of the, the, the company because I'm not. But I know that they're trying to find ways to streamline that process so that these changes that we're talking about can happen. Um, well, they, yeah, they, and the thing is, they need to just with the way the kind of educational landscape is changing. You know, with with mm-hmm. things like you know a lot of um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of areas where you can get your stuff on demand. You know, you can get your learning on demand. There's there's mm-hmm. lots of websites where you can do that and. You know, this kind of straight-to-student approach is going to be one that's developed more and more and more. So books are going to yeah. need to speed up. They're going to need to, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say get with the times. I was, I was going to say it. I was going to say but... keep with the times, I was going to say. I think um, because it's it's not just that. I think because of because of the, the way that things have moved and how people learn online, um, I feel that there's a definite – this is kind of my personal, I think someone said this to me recently, but I completely agree with it, that ELT is moving slowly towards um, becoming basically CLIL and English language lessons themselves will kind of be become obsolete and it will kind of just filter into the rest of the curriculum in, uh, when you're talking about state education, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and publishers are going to need to keep up with that. And that's if that happens, things are happening very quickly at the moment. I think, for example, taking case in point teacher training, you know, a year and a half ago, people were expecting loads of face-to-face, local face-to-face conferences, and they'd go to a webinar or someone would come to their school if they had quite a large school and they'd see a face-to-face event. Over the last 18 months only, since I started in this job, people are now expecting to watch a webinar instead of having someone come to their school. That was a really fast change. 
Yeah. Um, and I just think that goes to show how fast quickly things can change. Um, and publishers are going to need to keep up with that. Absolutely. Well, it's almost time for our first um, our first news break. Um, we are going to go there ever so shortly. Um, before we do, I'm going to leave you with a few names um, that I'm definitely not looking at on my phone. Um, Excellent. No, no. Definitely, no. I'm not looking at my phone. Um, You're just looking at the table stuff. below you, sort of in sort of I'm almost looking at the table mode. below me to say these names because, you know, and nobody can, people can't even see it. It's on the radio. No, I don't know so why you Mr. said only T. I could see that. Yeah, exactly. Mr. T, Barack Obama, J.K. Rowling, Sting, uh, Art Garfunkel, Brian May, um, Dan Brown, Robert Frost, William Golding, all of these people, all of these people were once teachers or within the educational industry. But they, they went on to do something different, or they also did something different, while perhaps they continued in their role in education. Um, Mr. Will Rickson is also one of those people, soon to be added to that list, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. And when we return from our um, news and advert break, we will be talking to a different Will Rickson. We'll be talking to Will Rickson of Will Rickson Music um, and talking about his awesome new album, um, We'll be back in about five minutes. We'll speak to you then. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A new documentary will follow primary and secondary schools in Nepal and Scotland as they join forces to learn from each other and tackle climate change. Interfilm Scotland and Chapromo Studios in Nepal will film the documentary which will focus on the experiences which each have had of climate change using an interdisciplinary approach. Students are conducting research by testing air and water pollution, CO2 levels, temperature and rainfall, as well as undertaking litter analysis and assessing biodiversity. Acting Principal Teacher at Stobhill Primary in Midlothian, Donna Hanley said, the project enabled pupils to learn about climate change in a real-life context. She said, with COP26, it is imperative that we make use of the Connecting the Climate Challenge programme and maintain this momentum to build on people's understanding and motivation to protect our planet for our future generations. Retired teacher Carolyn Coster from Bradford is taking her dog, who has been assessed by the charity Pets as Therapy, into schools to help children with their reading. The head teacher of Mepershall Academy said it has been amazing having Mrs Coster and Duke into school. She said, Lots of children struggle with reading. It's very difficult for them to read in front of people. But for some reason, when they read to the dog, all that stress is taken away from them. And it really supports them with their learning. Mrs Coster lost her hands and feet after Covid led to sepsis in March 2020. 
This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're well. Um, I am here with um, Will Rickson, um, musician, composer, uh, artist in general um yes. brilliant um stuff i so as i mentioned at the at the top of the show when i i spoke to will my my interest in in getting him on the show was was purely educational it was it was about you know his his role at macmillan and you know what he does and and where things are going uh, and then he, he he sent me a link to his his website and he was like is it okay if we talk about this as well so i clicked on his website and Lo and behold, uh, there was a wonderful musical album on there. And I was like, whoa, dude, did not know this about you. Um, and it got me to thinking about other people who also you know, do things that aren't just their job. Um, so, Will, you, you can't just be defined as a teacher, trainer and author, relationships manager. Um, piano, tell me. Piano. So, uh yeah, cheers for the intro, Aaron. So I started, um, yeah, well, I suppose to sort of just start, yeah, I've got that, that album I've just put together, it's called um, A Cinematic. Um, and it's uh, a sort of a collection of 10 songs, 10 different pieces in there, or songs, whatever you want to call them. Um, and each of them kind of have their own life, their own kind of colour. Um, and... I, I suppose they, they kind of birthed, they were birthed out of my passion for for film soundtracks, for film music, for classical film music, which I've just I've just been absolutely addicted to and obsessed with since I was about twelve. Um, and I still well, just to answer your question, so I started learning piano when I was about seven, um, and I was formally trained on the piano for sort of I don't know seven or eight years or something, um, and quickly realized that I was not really that talented when it came to reading the music and learning for grades. I sort of got quick grades. I got to about grade five or something and I just stopped because I didn't enjoy the process. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of hard work and I, a lot of respect for the people that go all the way, you know, go all the way with that. Um, it just wasn't for me. I wasn't really good at it. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. And I found that in between lessons, um, I was kind of getting my practice done and I enjoyed that part of it. Um, fine, kind of, you know, enough. Um, but I found myself sort of rushing that bit in order to just sort of doss about, I think, on, on the piano. Uh, and I remember mm -hmm. the, the first time that, that I started doing that was when I saw my brother. My brother, John, uh, plays guitar. Um, and he played classical guitar when he was younger. And I remember one time he was sat at the piano and I, I didn't know why he was sat at the piano because he never does. It was, it was my piano I and mean, he was sat there. I don't know what he was doing. 
And he, I saw that he was figuring out, um, what's it called, Street Spirit by Radiohead. Street mm-hmm. Spirit Fade Out by Radiohead. And he was just sort of figuring out that guitar riff on the piano. I'd never seen that, and I'd never thought of that concept of listening to something and just figuring it out with your fingers without reading the music. I didn't really know that, that sort of thing existed. Um, and kind of from that point, really, Harry, I just sort of, I, I just continued teaching myself. And because it was basically at that same point that I started getting into film music and listening to uh, the Shawshank Redemption soundtrack by Thomas Newman, for example, the, the Green Mile. Thomas Newman is an absolute hero of mine. Um, and kind of from there, I just just got really into it and I started just composing piano pieces really from there and I stopped reading and I found out that I just really, really enjoyed composing that sort of ilk, that sort of type of music on the piano. Quite sort of emotive, quite... Um, I mean, I at least try to make it, it, it sort of implants some kind of image uh, into people's minds with the music. Um, and, and yeah, so anyway, that's, that's how I got into piano. Yeah. Do you know, it's really funny that you should say that at the end there, because the day that you sent me the, the link, I went straight on it um, and I, I stuck it on, on my phone. I just, I clicked on it random. I didn't look at the names, you know. I saw that I could listen to them there online. So before I, I wanted to purchase the album, I obviously wanted to have a quick listen. So yeah. I put one on, press play. And my wife like turned to me and went, that sounds like cinema music. Um, I can't remember exactly <laughs> what genre of cinema music it was. I think she said like a space-themed cinema thing, something like that. But she right. said, it sounds like cinema music. And I was like, it does. It's really nice, isn't it? I was like, I'm just going to put it here, you know, and have, have a listen. Um and then after we'd listened to a couple of tracks, I just I kind of looked in and I was like, about Will. Okay, let's have a Ah. Oh, and it's called A Cinematic. Ah. Oh, ah. Oh, ah. Oh, it's all it's four films. Like, and you've literally made a, an album with with tunes, with pieces for films. Yeah, for films, but those films, unfortunately, Harry, they don't exist, those films. Not yet. Yet. Not they don't yet. exist yet, no. Will. No, they don't. Um, um, they're, they're ready for films. You've, you've gone the opposite way to kind of John Williams, you know. Instead of yeah. someone saying, here's a film, make a soundtrack, you're like, do you know what? I'm going to make the soundtrack and somebody else is then going to make the film. Exactly. That's exactly the point behind it, Harry. I'm really glad that you got that, actually. I don't think I've told you that, but that, that is definitely the idea. I'm looking for anybody, any artist of any shape or form that likes the music enough to put a piece of visual art to it, um, to, because that, that's kind of the point of it. I'm, I'm sort of experimenting with it and seeing if it will work the other way. I'm sure, I'm sure this has done before. I'm not, I'm not pioneering something here. I just wanted to see how it would work with my, you know, with my music. Um, and I've already, so you'll see on the, on the website, which is willrickson.com. Um, I'll put it in the so, chat and I'll put it in the description as well. Don't worry. No, cheers, Harry. Uh, but so on that page, you'll see lots of art. There's various pieces that you'll see on there. And that's actually one piece of art that a local, because I'm based in Cambridge and there's another local Cambridge guy, an artist, um, and he made this piece of art while listening to the album and he's created a time-lapse video of himself creating that art. Um, and that will feature on the website and that's also defined the, the visual, the landscape of, of the album itself. So each song has got its own little image and it's in each portion of, the, of, of, of that particular picture. And, and it, it really defines those songs and gives them all their own sort of personality. It's just, I suppose it's just a little bit of a nudge to help people visualise something when they listen to that particular song. It, it's really... Um, I'm, I'm going to play one of the one of the, the tunes in a minute. Um, and yeah, like I say, I was... 
I don't know why I say I'm, I was surprised. I didn't know you at all, so there was no reason for you to not be able to do that. But yeah, it's not yeah. something that had kind of come across instantly in, in our conversations. But then again, you don't normally say to people, oh, so cool. So let's talk about sustainability in this webinar. And what do you do when you're not working? Like, it's not really a, a normal <laughs> yeah. thing to say. No. Um, There's no segue. And I've realized with so many people that I, I come across that I speak to, I don't know anything about them. And it's it's kind of prompted me. I go to I go to a lot of conferences. Um, you, you may or may not be surprised. Um, I go to quite <laughs> a lot of conferences. I'm not surprised, Harry. No. No. No, I didn't think you would be. Um, and now that they're all online, and most of them use an app called Hoover. So, you know, TESOL Spain, TESOL France, Athea, they all use this app called Hoover. Mm-hmm. And it's basically so all of the delegates from the conference can be together and they can have a chat. And you can start your own kind of like group and stuff like that. Um, and, and the thread I started after speaking to you, because it completely inspired me, was what else are you? Like, what do you do outside of the classroom? Because we get into these conference situations and we just get in there. And we're like, let's talk methodology. Um, oh, yeah, this yeah, needs yeah, to change. Yeah. Let's only talk about education. And you kind of forget yeah. that people are actually humans um, and they, yeah. they kind of do that so i'm going to play um your your tune cambridge very shortly um cambridge, is obviously is, after is the cambridge city. 2021 cambridge 2021 uh, i didn't know I'll, if that I'll was the name one. of the track if i downloaded it like that it's cambridge 2021 my it is yeah 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 i'll tell you why cambridge 2021 um because as I, i'm just going to let you know here all of my so i've got the for example the the, the audio file for the news has 21 in it the audio file or for the for the oh, right. okay. in it. So, <laughs> so it's called cambridge 2021 yeah, yeah, it is actually, my yeah, apologies yeah. um and what genre were you aiming for of of kind of music were you aiming for when you made this what's what would be your image of a kind of film that this would go with um well i'll tell you what so the reason why it's called cambridge 2021 first it was written in cambridge it seems to you know but, but that's that's definitely an aside the, the reason why it's called cambridge 2021 is that it's it, for me, it's of a similar um, vein to the Theory of Everything soundtrack from uh, Johan Johansson. Um, so I imagine it fitting in that sort of rather, you know, so maybe it's sort of the beginning of the film where uh, you see Stephen Hawking um, cycling through the town on his way to his first lecture at university, you know, quite sort of a jolly intro mm-hmm. to the film. And then obviously, well, not obviously, but sometimes at the beginning of the film, it suddenly stops that happiness and it brings you into that person's world or maybe some negative aspects of their world. So you'll hopefully here at some point in the song where it kind of does that nice bit, that nice sort of introduction, and then it sort of smacks you a little bit and goes, slow down, let's, let's just focus on that. This is actually dedicated to Johan Johansson. I know it's kind of, I know it's, an, it's, it's an amateur album that I've just released myself, but he died in 2018 um, of an overdose, and he was in his third, very, very early in his career, but he was a very, very talented man, um, uh, and he did the Theory of Everything soundtrack. So uh, anyway, that's, that's a bit of the story behind the song. Oh, fantastic. So we are going to listen now. I'm going to put myself on mute. Otherwise, I'll probably just talk over it because I talk all the time. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to mute us and then I'm going to I'm going to hit this. A little treat for you, Teachers Talk Radio fans. We've got some music on today.
And there we go. Um, I was I was buzzing. I was riding my bike at the start of that wheel. I was <laughs> dancing along. I was having a jig, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see. Yeah, suddenly I wasn't was... anymore. <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt it, you know. I felt that, you know, <laughs> drop in it that you mentioned. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, this album is is available um, for everybody. I, I know that. Um, on willrickson.com. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been on there. I actually, I bought it today, actually. Um, before oh, you did exactly. I'm, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm glad you did. I have just been borrowing it before that um, and just listening to it on the on the website because there is the option to to listen to it um, and listen to whichever one you like. And maybe yeah, yeah. maybe you don't like all of them. Maybe you only like six of them. So you could just get those six. Yeah, yeah. But if, if you, you do just get those it, six, yeah, yeah. you might as well just get the album. Which is just six pounds. Not, yeah. Exactly. Six not six for the ten it. for the price of six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. it's 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 certainly um a worthy way of spending six pounds. Think about what you're gonna be buying for your for your kids this Christmas. All these stocking fillers and all that stuff. Don't get loads of stocking fillers, save six pounds and get yourself a lovely album. Um <laughs> It is. It, yeah. We've got comments here saying that you know that that, that was gorgeous, and it, it, and we've got the clapping oh, hands as well. And it, thank you. It it really is lovely, and it really is. Um, it's a wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful album. It's, it's great to work to. Now I'm, I'm a bit strange with how I work. My working does the the music I listen to when I when I'm not teaching. Obviously, um, when I'm in the classroom, the music tends to depend on the students as well. Although right, that right. wouldn't be bad background student music. No, no. I'll tell you what, Harry, just to, just to c- cut you off just really quickly. I, I almost always played a soundtrack in my lessons. When I was teaching young adults, um, I find that those, I mean, there's, there's the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Do you know that film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soundtrack by Thomas Newman is just perfect because it's got, it's got the perfect ups and downs in, in a one hour lesson. It sort of starts off with this really vibrant, uh, sort of sitar Indian sounding song uh, and then it sort of goes down to these little swells like quite quite low down when you want to sort of bring them back down to their chairs maybe after your warm-up for example I, th- I find that soundtracks work really well in the classroom and there was a little bit of a sort of a, a sort of a glance at me as to why I was playing this music to new students but after they've been to one class they, they really they really liked it uh, just in the background it does it does make perfect sense because I do tend to like I'll just chuck on something usually depending on the mood obviously with kids for yeah. for sit down work it's really good to have the kind of classical music on in the background um yeah yeah you know i've got a new album to do that with now uh which is there you go there you go All your <laughs> but it's also great for for when you're working i know when i'm like i say i'm not in the class i i have to have music on i know there are people who have to work in silence mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the opposite which is probably why editors get mad at my proofreading because maybe I'm just in the middle of a Whitney song so I like I go for the high <laughs> note and close my eyes and maybe miss a word or two right, I'm blaming right. it on that I'm definitely not blaming it on my own <laughs> proofreading which is Whitney that's interesting oh, I love Whitney really I love Whitney very interesting yeah, yeah I, I've never given yeah, like a good say, chance actually oh wonderful it's, it's for me it also it's brilliant driving music um right okay again yeah. high notes remember not to close your eyes i once did that on a motorway <laughs> going at about i don't know 70 80 my wife's like when you're doing the high notes you can keep your eyes open that would be great yeah, um yeah. so yeah uh, but yeah my work it, it, all sorts it's very eclectic um 
often the work I'm doing governs the music I listen to because the work I'm going to do needs a different type of concentration. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it is a great like working to album. Um, although I've not been able to listen to it as an album yet because I've I've been listening to one song doing and it finishes and I've gone and listened to another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, do some yeah. proofreading. <laughs> do some work. Um, <laughs> But you, you mentioned a few um, soundtracks, so I'm going to um, I'm going to ask you a question that I know I hate it when people ask me this kind of question. But what's your favourite soundtrack? Uh, well, I have actually got a favourite soundtrack. It's a soundtrack that's that's. Ne I'm going to. Do you want to play a little game, Harry? Shall I try and describe it? You can guess what it is. Oh, oh God, this is going to be. You'll be I'll, I'll sort of talk bit. about the film a little bit. Maybe you can get it that way. So. So there's this one soundtrack. It's by Thomas Newman. If you know anything about Thomas Newman, that might slim it down a little bit. Um, so this one soundtrack has kept with me since I first heard it on the film, and it is so incredibly original and unique. And I still haven't heard an album that even sounds like it. It's just got its own mood, its own colours, its own landscape, and it's it completely puts me back into the frame of mind for that film. And I think it was very much a partnership between the composer and the director of that film. The director happens to be Sam Mendes, if that's going to help you at all. Oof, Harry. Oof. You're no, testing okay. me. You're testing all right, me. All right. So it's okay. A film about, I'd say about 20 years ago now. It's a film about uh, roses, uh, about midlife crises, um, about. Oh, um, American Beauty. Yes. Yes. Nice one. The roses was what gave it away for me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, American Beauty soundtrack. It, it, that is a really good soundtrack. I've it's never beautiful. heard anyone say it's their favourite. It's just amazing. I mean, you've got the plastic bag theme, which has turned into various sort of techno tracks, and it actually turns really well into, I think, a dance track. Um, but the rest of the album is just magical. Um, if you've got time just to... You need to sit down and listen, because there's so much intricacy... Whatever the word is. Intricacy? Intricacies. Intricacies, yeah. Intricacies in the album. You just listen, and you turn it up to a decent volume so you can hear everything that's going on, and it's just got so much going on, but it's so... So minimal, but it's beautiful. So that would be my favourite oh, soundtrack. Gonna, yeah, and it I'm does well with the classroom as well. Listen, yeah, I do, do because um, I do know the like tunes from it, but I don't particularly the plastic bag one. As you say, it's like the the, the almost well, it is the one that everybody remembers. You know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. If you were playing a, a game of guess the soundtrack, that would be the one you use for American. Music. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah. I'd recommend that, or anything by Thomas Newman, to be perfectly honest with you, anything by Thomas Newman, or, or the new one called Dan Romer, um, who's just done a soundtrack for a film called Luca, um, which came oh, out. Oh, it's brilliant. I love film that Luke. film. It's a fantastic little film, isn't it? It is a little film, I think. It's one of those sort of little cute films. I don't yeah. know why I think of it as little, but it's beautiful. And the soundtrack's yeah. awesome. And he, he was supposed to do the Bond soundtrack, and he wrote the Bond soundtrack. Um, and because he's actually really small fry, he's he's only just recently come large, and I've been following Feet for a couple of years, and um, he's just got got he got the Bond theme, he got the Bond soundtrack. So that's possibly one of the biggest jobs you can get. And uh, last minute, he had a dispute with the director, and they oh. just got Hans Zimmer to write the soundtrack in a couple of months. So I mean, as much oh, as I love Hans Zimmer, I was really kind of rooting for for Dan Roman. I bet you that. Hans Zimmer can turn out a soundtrack in like no time. I know, oh, mate. Just give him a couple of hours. He'll come up with a few licks and then send he's, it to his team. He's exactly one day older than my mum. Is he? Is he now? Exactly one day older than my mum, yeah. Right. Um, there you go. So there's a fun fact about Hans Zimmer. Yeah, um, 
who obviously yeah. you are a fan of because it's it's impossible not to be a fan of Hans Zimmer. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I saw him. I saw him at Wembley Arena actually a couple of years ago. He did sort of a, a medley of his of his best a couple of years ago at uh, Wembley. Oh, wow, Arena. that was wonderful. Wembley Stadium actually, I think it was. Oh wow, that's, it was uh, wonderful. Yeah, that's pretty um, massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think what I wanted to just make sure I got across today, Harry, was that I the importance that I feel that they, I'm kind of just, if you don't mind, just a little tangent. I just wanted to say that. Take us wherever you want to go, Will. Cheers, Harry. Thanks. I, I might do that. Yeah. In, I might do that now. Cheers. Uh, so I, I find it incredibly important to keep one's identity generally. Um, I, I'm a father of two um, and I've done a lot to, I've done as much as I can to develop my career. Um, and uh, I work hard in my job as do most, if not all, teachers in ELT work hard in their job. Um, but I, I, it's, it's incredibly important to me that people keep their sense, the, the sense of their own identity. Even if they're a father or a mother, they're not just a father and a mother. Uh, and if they're a teacher, they're not just a teacher. And if they're a teacher and a parent, they are also themselves. There is also this, this whole other identity which they're allowed to be, which they can be. And I know it's easier said than done. And I'm, I'll be honest, when I was, when I was actually teaching, it was, it was a lot more difficult to do music stuff. Uh, in fact, I kind of took two years, five years out from doing music because I was focusing entirely on my career and CPD and, you know, some qualifications and Delta and that sort of thing. And I had to do that. But when I got to a stage where I was, comp, you know, content enough, uh, I, I, I just went back to the music because I knew that that was what, what my identity really was. And that was where I've got a huge passion for ELT, don't be wrong, but I also have a passion for, for music. And I think it's so incredibly important that, that people do what they can to make sure there's this other fire going on somewhere else that they can, they can, that they contend that it's just theirs, that, that they can feel is theirs, that it's not to further their career. It's not to earn money. It's not to help their family. It's to help. It's just to be them. It's to be really cheesy, but just to be, just to be themselves and to, and to yeah. foster a passion of some kind. I think really with like, especially with teaching, like I couldn't, uh... I could, I could speak about it from a marketing point of view because I worked in marketing for a couple of years, like a long time ago. But really? I think especially with... T I did, yeah, for, right. for Black's Leisure Group. Long, long time ago. Okay. I can still <laughs> remember. Right, yeah, right. that was one of my early, early, early jobs when I was earning uh, to try and save to go and, and become a, an ELT teacher. Right. But I think with teaching, when it comes to teaching, it is like the ultimate take-home job. Um, it's the ultimate, like you, it's so hard to leave that behind. You know, if you have a good day, and I, I imagine it's like this in a lot of jobs as well, but if you have a really good day at school and like the kids get it um, or whatever students you have get it and they're vibing off you, your classes have gone brilliantly, you get home, you've got <laughs> yeah. this buzz, this sight, yeah, you're flying, yeah, yeah. you know, you can do anything. You get home, <laughs> you get in, you're like, you're getting dinner ready and you're chopping, like, and it's amazing, but even if it's just your last class of the day, if that's like not great, or you have one student that's just not particularly nice that day, um, or a class that goes really badly, it really affects you. And like when you get home, and if that's on a Friday as well, you don't want that eating into your weekend, eating into your Saturday and Sunday. And yeah. then you, you're thinking about planning and you're thinking about marking. And I think it's so important to have that kind of side passion, as it were. I mean, mine... I love flags um, and secondhand shirts. Um, 
but like mine was but always it, the environment and activism and, and like you know campaigning so the fact that i've been able to marry it to my job yeah i think it's a good thing i mean mm. there are times that i'm like doing something what, what feels like i'm doing something good and it's like am i working right now no i'm not actually working i'm doing this for the love of doing it and i have to kind of remind myself because they've become so intertwined recently yes um but yeah i am also a father um i'm a governor at the the, the school i'm oh, yeah. I, I help with their allotment yeah I'm, I'm i'm all of these other things oh wow so, harry that's amazing I, I i do think it's so important to have that kind of passion and i really admire um what you do um both in work and outside of work and i really do like the the album I genuinely like the album. Otherwise, when you said, is it okay if we talk about this on the radio show? I'd have said, actually, Will, um, it has to strictly <laughs> only be education. Um, nothing else will do, I'm afraid. But yeah, no, I really yeah. like it. And I do encourage people to go out, give it a listen. Um, give Cheers, it a buy. Why not? Um, and yeah, Will is going to be leaving us for the last half an hour. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand over so he can say, Say goodbye to everybody. And then when I come back, I'll be talking about the different tweets, Instagram messages, Hoover application things, and all of the other different things that other teachers are outside of teaching. Um, and also, of course, feel free to call in and say how you feel. But, Will, it's been a pleasure. I will be seeing you very soon, um, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in a work capacity. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, so, Harry, thank you. Thanks so much for, for inviting me on. It's been, it's been really interesting um, to... I haven't spoken about my life so much, I think, in, uh, since I had the interview for Millen Education, I think. That was the last time I spoke so much about my life. But it's... Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me. And I hope, um, uh, I hope people enjoy the album. Yeah, if you have a chance to listen to it. Brilliant. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I'm going to um, skip off to the news and a word from our sponsors. Thank you very much, Will, and I'll see you soon. Cheers, Aaron. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A new documentary will follow primary and secondary schools in Nepal and Scotland as they join forces to learn from each other and tackle climate change. Into Film Scotland and Chapromo Studios in Nepal will film the documentary which will focus on the experiences which each have had of climate change using an interdisciplinary approach. Students are conducting research by testing air and water pollution, CO2 levels, temperature and rainfall, as well as undertaking litter analysis and assessing biodiversity. Acting Principal Teacher at Stobhill Primary in Midlothian, Donna Hanley said, the project enabled pupils to learn about climate change in a real life context. She said, with COP26, it is imperative that we make use of the Connecting the Climate Challenge programme and maintain this momentum to build on people's understanding and motivation to protect our planet for our future generations.
Retired teacher Carolyn Costa from Bradford is taking her dog, who has been assessed by the charity Pets as Therapy, into schools to help children with their reading. The head teacher of Mepershall Academy said it has been amazing having Mrs Coster and Duke into school. She said, Lots of children struggle with reading. It's very difficult for them to read in front of people. But for some reason, when they read to the dog, all that stress is taken away from them and it really supports them with their learning. Mrs Coster lost her hands and feet after Covid led to sepsis in March 2020. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello there, everybody. I am back. Um, Will is no longer here with me. Uh, he has gone off to continue his life outside of education, um, as we are talking about today. Now, obviously, before the show, I, I sent out an appeal across various social media channels um, asking people what they did um, and what they do and who they are outside of teaching. And I got quite a lot of responses, actually, um, and, and all with varying kind of degrees of of intimacy as it were perhaps i don't know that's probably the wrong word for it um or with varying degrees of detail that's probably more like it um but it's just it's fascinating to see um these different things i i remember as a child the the weirdest thing in the world for me was seeing my teachers outside of class you know you look across at your teachers and particularly below the age of maybe even 11 or 12 you look at them and you only see them in that kind of work environment and that's where they are that's basically where they live you know teachers only belong there so when when you see them outside of school be it in the supermarket or in the street or something you, you're kind of taken aback and a bit like oh my gosh what are you doing here and I remember at, um, a family friend of mine his name's John Dickey incidentally um, my old year five teacher I just moved to year six and yeah my old year five teacher uh, was playing in a band at my at my friend my family friend's 50th birthday and I just kind of stood there absolutely shell-shocked like my my mouth wide open thinking how on earth can Mr Grace like play the guitar as a teacher surely he should be I don't know learning how to mark more exams or I don't know I didn't do many exams back then um things have changed somewhat in that respect as well um but yeah it was a really I don't know it, it was a really weird thing for me to to recognize um and I know now when I see my students outside um in the street in the supermarket they they just have this shell shock look on their face like oh my gosh what do I say to this guy um, normally it's hello. That's one of the advantages of 
living in another country, they, they just say hello and think that's enough English, that'll do. Um, their parents often want to talk as well, which, which can be uh, challenging when you live in a small village. Um, but yeah, there's, we've got some, some lovely students at the moment, so it's really nice to see them. But then also another thing I found is seeing old students when you're out and about. And they still kind of look at you. And I still look at my old teachers when I see them, whenever I speak to them, which isn't often as I live a long way away. But when I did go back to the, the UK, I bumped into one of my old teachers. And my natural reaction is always, you know, to say, sir, you know, it's like, you're right, sir. You know, this is a person who's, um, I think, seven or eight years older than me and, you know, taught me for a couple of years. And I bumped into him. So you're right, sir. How are you doing? Just that instant natural reaction of that whole understanding that people aren't just teachers um, they are other things on the outside as well i got quite a lot of quite nice messages quite um, amusing messages as well um, telling me what people also did outside of their classroom now i had one um, ex-colleague of mine actually her, her name's ashley and she uh, she does ultimate running um, ultra running sorry or running ultra marathons um, and those kind of things outside of the classroom so um, you know, I now see her and we, we get to talk about you know, how she's run hundreds of kilometers and it's, it's mind blowing the, the achievements that uh, bodies have. And I know a lot of teachers are also runners as well. It's a, it's a great kind of other life to have, um, to de-stress particularly, you know, you have to go home and, and deal with all the, the, the nonsense that you may have uh, had at school and the, the craziness that's gone on, the, the misbehavior, the lack of homework, perhaps. Running is a great way to kind of de-stress, I guess. In, in Spanish, we say desfogar, which means to like get everything out. And um, I, I find it fantastic. And swimming for me as well is really good. But my, my other passion was always, um, as I mentioned before the ad break, it was always involved in in the planet, in the environment, um, to make sure you know, we were doing our bit and whatever we could to, to make the world a better place. But as I say, that was like one of my, my huge passions and I've, I've managed to get that involved in my work. And as teachers, we are lucky that we can also do that. We can get our students involved with our passions to get them to, to kind of see them and understand them. Um, but yeah, a couple of the other things that I got, I'm just running into my messages now. And I've noticed a lot of teachers, they have a, an issue with saying no, it seems. So when they're asked to do other things as well, they, they also kind of take that on. Um, I've, I've met and spoken to a lot of uh, teachers who, a lot of teachers who do a lot of charity work. Um, there was one who I'm speaking to who, who works in France, Catherine Crager. Uh, and she's uh, the co-lead of the Paris Women's Network. Um, she's also uh, a founding member of a, a non-profit for young adults with disabilities from brain damage. Um, but then she also, like myself, is a bit of a yogi. Um, I think for me, that's my running, is my, my yoga, it's my time to, to relax. Um, and then she also likes to go hiking and, and bird watching. So there are all these other aspects outside of the classroom that you know, that help define us. And I think something Will said is so important um, that we do take that on board, that we don't just become only teachers. And I know it's really hard now with social media, you know, it's our work, our life, it, it's always there on our phone, it's always there in front of us. So having that kind of other outlet 
is is super important and if it can be a creative one you know that's also amazing um some people call it a side hustle is it a side hustle i don't know maybe it's just another part of your life it's a side hustle i guess if you're trying to make money out of it um I know that my my wife has been a teacher for a long time, but one of her passions was photography. And, you know, she's gone down that road. She's always loved photography and she's now going to become, you know, well, she is a professional photographer. She's also studying as well. So it's it's super inspiring to to see that sort of thing directly around you and, and people that, yes, I'm a teacher, but I'm also, you know, I also do these other things. Um, somebody else mentioned that, that they were, again, another a planet activist, a gamer, a manga lover. Um, that was actually our second ever guest, um, Militza. So, yeah, she was she was uh, happy enough to, to join in with the conversation. Um, lots of people I found um, did sort of graphic design and photography um, outside of the classroom. Uh, I found that was a, another great kind of creative outlet. Um Something I've always wanted to do, uh, to, I guess I wish I had the time to do it. You know, we kind of limit ourselves by being time poor. Um, you know, I, I wanted to get into amateur dramatics again because I was so keen on that when I was younger. But it's, that sort of thing takes up such a huge portion of time. I think one of the big key things that I, I really got into, I think since becoming a dad, um, I really, I've tried to to get more into cooking and that side of things and, you know, just fundamental things in life that you have to do. If you can find a way of them becoming your passion and enjoying doing those things, then, you know, if you can make this other side of you be a kind of useful other side of you as well, it's it's absolutely exceptional. Now, I say that, I'm pretty sure I heard my daughter knock on the door um, just outside there uh, in the meantime. Um, but yeah, even if this, this other side of you is an avid reader, you know, th- these are things that, you know, don't let yourself just be defined by your profession within, within education. Don't, don't let yourself only take those things home with you, you know, find that other outlet, find another place that you can, you can be who you want to be and, and you can express yourself uh, there as well. Um, s- uh, one of our other former guests, Annie, is also a, she's a poet. Um, she's a poet in Spanish. Um, she's a materials creator in English, but she's a poet in Spanish. Um, yeah, I think what I noticed when I was looking at you know, celebrities who uh, who were teachers beforehand, there are an awful lot of authors. There are an awful lot of um, there's politicians in there. I think we kind of seem to forget um, that it can also develop other areas of your of your life with, with this. Um, I guess a radio show presenter is another one of my not. Is it not in education? I don't think it counts as not in education because it definitely is still in education. But it's a passion of mine. Um, and interviewing people and so on and so forth, I've managed to get my work to also kind of become my passion, which... I still don't know if that's entirely a good thing or not. Um, if I could learn to switch off, that would probably be a good thing. But switching off is not something I'm particularly good at. Um, but I have learned to kind of leave the classroom almost in the classroom. Um, I must admit, I was awake for quite a while last night thinking of 
new uh, forms of assessment for for my classes because I, I really dislike um, the, the endless exams they have to go through here in Spain. It's not something I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Um, it's something I try and distance myself from. So uh, we're looking at different forms of assessment and, and working through those different things to try and be able to disconnect. Because when I find myself thinking about it, I have to almost take myself away. And I love teaching. I, I'm very passionate about it as well. Um, and before we continue, um, I'm going to jump into my um, jump into my DMs and find a few of the other stories and anecdotes. In the meantime, I am going to play um, the final track from from Will's album. Um, this is the island. There we go. So I'm going to get into a few of the other things that people have, you know, outside of the classroom defined themselves as almost. Um, one person gave me a nice long list. You know, uh, I'm a, a granddaughter, daughter, sister, niece, aunt, cousin, partner, um, uh, traveler, uh, animal lover, 
sports lover, learning lover, reading lover. Um, lots of loving in here. I love being goofy, um, but also self-care is really important. So this is kind of uh, encapsulating a number of, of hobbies and, and interests in there. Um, experimental baker is what another uh, colleague of mine mentioned, uh, being an experimental baker. Are there any other experimental bakers out there? Um, I know there are there's certainly a lot of amateur cooks, which is what I'd describe myself as. Um, one person mentioned they were a workaholic, uh, but also a passionate teacher, a dog mum, a traveler, a self-taught graphic designer, a website developer, and a social media community manager. This is somebody who runs uh, an academy all to themselves as well, a language academy. So it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. An awful lot of things uh, that came in there. And a lot of them said, like, they had their fur babies, which... Um, I have to say, my fur baby certainly takes up an awful lot of my time. Um, <laughs> there, there's pictures of her on the internet, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do love my dog. Um, also, gardening, I found, was right up there on the list of things that people love to do. Um, gardening and artwork. There's a lot of people who have, who have managed to marry their... Um, artwork into their their classes as well which you know if you have a gift like that if you have a talent I think it's really important my artwork is atrocious um, which is why I try to draw as little as possible I'm hoping to go on a drawing course uh, in January providing other projects don't get in the way um, because I would like to learn how to draw I do think it's something that uh, kind of is restricting within me um, so if nobody else has anything to say, I am going to wrap this up a few minutes early tonight. Um, a big thank you again uh, to Will Rickson who came in. Please do check out his music. Give it a download. Um, do feel free. Give him a follow as well. Um, he's on all of the all of the social medias. Um, he recently uploaded a video of himself trying to make music and uh, showing just how difficult it is when you have two young children in the house. Um, so a huge thanks to Will. It was lovely to have him on the show and he is a genuinely lovely person. One of those few people, I know, um, you know, when you get to a, a job or you go to work somewhere, there's there's occasionally somebody you meet and within not a very long time, you know that they're gonna be fun to work with. I know I had a guy called Alberto I used to work with um, when I was teaching in a, in a private school and instantly we clicked. Um, I had a great thing like that with Will. He's a lovely person to work with. His music's nice to work with as well um, and just to listen to. And next week, do tune in. We're going to be talking about DEI in ELT um, with Tyson Seaburn. He'll be, he'll be streaming in all the way from Canada. Um, so it'll be nice and early for him. Uh, so thank you very much, everybody, for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.